Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask is not Be sure to adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Whole Little We Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and you freak motherfuckers out there, Sebastian's Adams. On today's episode, we will be talking about gender, and joining me today is Tyrell. Y'all, it's been a while since, you know, I've been podcasting like a full month from my break y'all don't need to know that y'all probably don't even know what the hell is really going on on this end because this episode is like going to be releasing like in april or some shit like that but you know it is what it is happy new year (laughs) y'all that's all i'm saying to give y'all a uh a glimpse of how early this damn thing was recorded so i'm fresh off and energized like tyrell is literally my first person of the year that i'm recording an episode with how are you doing today thank you i feel so honored to be one of the first guests of course i always love coming and speaking uh yeah happy new year to uh obviously all the fans obviously as it was said like this won't come out till april but definitely definitely have um wishing everybody a good 2023 so far and you know let's let, let, let's get to these goals let's get to these goals that you know we have and then if you haven't uh planned any goals you need to plan some oh yes you know i don't know what things are going to be looking like in uh april i hope things are good for a lot of people but when it comes to like resolutions i I personally stopped doing resolutions because it didn't make sense to me after a while because i i learned that why am i waiting to a a whole new year to begin something that's supposed to be a habit or something that's going to be good for me so i just like if i want to do something i'm going to start it today (laughs) yeah exactly no and like yeah i've never really gotten into resolutions like personally myself because to me i think resolutions are always like they're always out of the box Mm -hmm. you know like we set them well, like way too high. It's like, I can't, like, you can't go from zero to a hundred and say like, oh, like I'm about to do this in the next couple months. Like, no, that's really not how the, how those things work. Create short-term manageable goals. And Hey, if you exceed them, wonderful. If not, then you manage disappointment. And Hey, you know, with a lot of goals we have, unfortunately it's a reality. We have a lot of disappointment that happens. So you know, mitigate, you know, manage, manage expectations. Look, smart goals, people. And if I remember the acronym correctly, it's been a while, y'all. So please don't judge me. Look, life. But anyways, it's uh, smart goals are specific, uh, measurable. Uh, Is it attainable? Yeah, I think it's attainable. Uh, 
So like, just set something. You can it can be like, hey, I plan on losing. Well, my goal is to lose five pounds by the end of, um, by the end of two weeks. That's something that is specific. It has a time frame for you to um, measure it. You have an amount that you can measure, which is five uh, five pounds. It's reasonable. You can lose five pounds in like two weeks, depending on how you exercise and all this other stuff. Now, if it's 40 pounds in two weeks, look, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen for you unless you're doing some kind of surgery or something that you shouldn't be doing. Please Mm -hmm. don't do that. Please don't. Look, weight loss is great. It's important for some people, but don't hurt yourself trying to lose weight. Love yourself first. Oh, my God. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like I, I, I do I do hate the push and I, I'm gonna lean this into the conversation. Um this is not one of those topics, but it is dealing with gender. But I do hate the the societal pressure that is put on a lot of people when it comes to their weight, most definitely when it comes to uh, women presenting people too, because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you have to look fine and look this way in order for you to get a, a, a mate, or you have to be slender, you have to be all these things that are not really natural. Yeah. Like, I remember yeah, there then, was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's this opposite narrative, especially, like, I, I've heard a lot of women talk about in the, you know, in circles about there's this language that especially when dealing with especially dealing with men that men like women who are natural Mm. and you know a lot of women that I talk to are kind of like taken aback by that because they're like what does like being natural actually mean so it's kind of like to connotate like okay I like a woman like in her natural element like she doesn't need to you know like put on makeup or, you know, like dress in heels or, you know, whatever. But then it's kind of like you, you have to think about like the language that, you know, like that's putting out. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, why can't, you know, anybody for that matter, you know, just be versatile in what they do. Like I can love dressing down and, you know, just if I'm going out for five minutes, you know, not, you know, necessarily dressing up or, you know, whatever, but just because I may, you know, dress in heels or I may put on makeup does that change the nature of how you look at me exactly now so you know it's kind of like you know the language around like okay like what does liking being natural you know like mean and it's like one of the things that um really i guess bother me is like whenever okay i don't know where my mind was going hold up left me jesus why would you do that why would you do that to me i i had something i had something i truly had something there oh my god you know this is why i cannot be on a podcast and be live and have adhd because shit like this happens um no but that's where the best moments come in though but you're right you're right you're right um where was i you know i'm it's probably going to come back to me um, but there was another thing um, that I was thinking about, like whenever, like with um, most definitely within the queer community, whenever people are just like, oh, I need, well, with men uh, and masculine presented people, how there's that ideal look that uh, a man is supposed to be be it muscular thin or whatever and how that is just pushed so heavily and it's just like why not just love me oh I remember what I was going to say why not just love me for me and um just accept me for who I am like if you find me attractive you find me attractive then that is okay I don't have to fit a certain mold for you to be happy with me like let me be me like I'm a firm believer and I tell 
I tell people this very often that if you cannot love me and like me when I look, I guess, my worst or my most basic, you do not deserve to be with me when I look my best because you're going to see the basic look of me on a regular basis. That's going to be how I dress on, on a daily basis. That's just going to be who I am because I like to be comfortable. I'm not going to be out here in formal attire every time I go outside because that's just not me. If I'm going to an event where I might have to do that, I would think about it. I may, I will, it would be a, a real thought process. Like, do I really want to be formal, formal and look the part? Or do I just want to be me touched up? Like, And then it's it's also about like just being truthful with yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, if you are a shallow person, you know, like be honest in that. But then like try to I'm not necessarily saying to change it, but examine why you actually have these kind of what you would call shallow thoughts just because you may like a particular aesthetic doesn't mean that you know like you have to indulge in the nature of the shallowness so it's like there and like I've often always said people get the nature of preference versus like a standard and something Mm -hmm. like they must have very confused like preference could be like oh I prefer someone of this height but if I meet someone that is not that height it's not like I turn my nose up or you know Mm -hmm. something but people will have this language around oh this is um my preference and then it's not really a preference it's like a definitive you know Mm kind of aspect so it's like if you're not this I'm not checking for you so you know it's like it's okay to admit like you're shallow I think we're all I think we're all a little bit shallow when it comes to certain when it comes to certain things but it's just about the way that you project that onto other people and then now that is the main narrative about you that you present exactly so it's like just just it, just acknowledge that's who you are and that's fine like um like for me whenever I, like if you're looking for love a lot of time preferences go out the window because mm-hmm. are not even um, preferences those deal breakers mm-hmm. um, not, not to say that all of them like your red flags or your triggers and things like that do not play a part in who you select because it probably should it should but in terms of if you are finding somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with that the next 10 years with are the people if you are in a poly um on the poly spectrum the people that you want to spend the rest of your life with you're not focusing so heavily on what they're looking like and like yeah attraction matters it does matter um but the attraction that you have for this person is not always directly on that physicality because you find the chubby person attractive who fits the characteristics that you're looking for you find the skinny person attractive the muscular person attractive you find the people within this um, vast array of identity attractive exactly not just because of oh they had the certain body type if you right. say that you're looking for love just be real with yourself are you looking for an image or are you looking for the actual thing exactly exactly because you know and just speaking personally for myself like I had a friend uh ask me recently like do I have like a particular like type of person you know like I'm attracted to as far as um you know attraction and you know when I I thought about I was like no actually really like I I don't like when it comes to like aesthetic because I find different 
different aspects of different people to be attractive, no matter if you're tall, short, if you're a bigger guy, a smaller guy, you know, whatever that, whatever that is. So the aesthetic that, you know, yeah, there are certain things that, yeah, I am attracted to, but that doesn't, that doesn't blind me into, oh, like, just because this person doesn't have this, then uh, it stops me from getting to know, then, you know, it may stop me from getting to know someone. And then, yeah, there are people who I do meet that, you know, they not necessarily, you know, I would think like my kind of, you know, like aesthetically attractive as far as like a romantic nature, but that still doesn't mean that, you know, like I can't be cool with this person. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I always feel like, there there shouldn't necessarily i think be a delineation to okay if i don't feel these romantic feelings in first meeting somebody that i have to just completely shut this off you never know that person may have walked into your life for a reason mm. so even if that's not a romantic connection there are i always feel like as a teacher you know kind of like myself i feel like life is a classroom there are things that you are there to learn and unlearn and that things that you are there to teach and be taught Mm. You know, so there is not always going to be like, oh, if, you know, oh, I find you, you know, I thought I found you attractive. We meet up. It's not that kind of chemistry that I'm looking for. So it was just a big waste of time. Like, no, like you, you don't have to necessarily put yourself in the mind frame like that. That person was maybe there to teach you something mm. or for you to, you know, take away, you know, some sort of lesson. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. person was maybe there to teach you something mm. or for you to you know take away you know some sort of lesson so you know I just you know I feel like people sometimes are a lot of times too quick to close the door because something is not clicking or something mm. is not there and you never know you you blocking blessings that may Oops. be that may be for you amen to that like I've learned over the years that I there's some people that I'm not physically attracted to but I'm very sexually attracted to and then there's others that I'm not sexually attracted to that I am sexually attracted to but not physically attracted to yeah. and it's 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 always been like a give and take but uh however those people that match both oh my gosh it's like it's amazing mm. <laughs> and, and that's a word because I ultimately feel like and this kind of gets into a little bit of the gender topic because what you just said is something that I think a lot of particularly women tend to be confused about a lot um I, and it's not just comes from like shows and stuff like that, but I've ultimately heard women have these kind of conversations where it's like, they'll meet a guy, like they'll meet a guy or, you know, something. And like, they seem to like have this like physical chemistry, like this sexual chemistry. They may 
you know, decide to go there intimately or not. And then all of a sudden the guy is kind of like telling them that, oh, well, you know, I think we should slow things down or something because like I didn't have like that physical attraction you know like first and then so like i get i get why a lot of women would be confused it's like well how could you be this intimate with me if like you don't have a if you like you were struggling with physical attraction mm -hmm. you know like to like to me like that doesn't make sense but like you just said that there's a difference between being physically attracted and sexually mm -hmm. attracted and i'm not going to stigmatize of course but for a lot of men those two delineations don't have to happen at the same time. Like you can be hesitant or not find this person, particularly this woman to be, you know, um, you know, your physical type or, you know, attraction, but you can still, you know, get alone enough to sleep with her, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and so it's kind of like, I think, you know, kind of like moving forward. I hope that everyone for this matter and not just, you know, women, but everybody for this matter, takes into account that there are delineations and there are differences between being physically attracted to somebody and sexually attracted. Mm -hmm. Look, sometimes you just like, oh my God, I want to, I want to fuck you. I don't really yeah. want to be around you often, yeah. but oh my God, can we just jump bones like yeah. every other now and then? Like what mm -hmm. the fuck is up? And sometimes it is just like, you know, I do yeah. enjoy your company. I do enjoy looking at you and but at the same time, I don't want to be sexually intimate with you at all. Like, yeah. you're just great to look at. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like with some of the the um, celebrities out there. Like, mm -hmm. every celebrity, I'm not trying, I don't want to have sex with. Like, the, the majority of them, I really do not want to have sex with. But whenever I do look at them, oh, my God, you are so attractive. If I saw them in person, oh, my fucking God, you are mm -hmm. beautiful in person. But that's it. Like yeah go about your business like there's nothing right. here for you but right. you're very beautiful i love that for you but it, it's a thing y'all <laughs> yeah, but um one of the things that we were um to talk about for this episode is actually your dissertation because it does deal okay. with gender so um do you mind explaining that dissertation for uh, for everybody and how yeah. your progress is going and if you found anything interesting so far Ooh, absolutely so yeah so right now currently um as this is being recorded, uh, I am in that middle stage of what we call uh, prospectus. Uh, so I am trying to uh, defend my proposal so that I can actually write my dissertation. Uh, and so um, what I've had to do is, you know, to look at the, um, so basically what my project is, is that I am studying the nature of um, LGBTQ um, BIPOC memoirs. Uh, so if anybody is unfamiliar with the um, the uh, the acronym for BIPOC, it means Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And so basically um, what I was basically what really has been interesting about my my venture into my work is that uh, with me being in English and writing studies, uh, particularly for rhetoric and how uh, authors compose texts, it's really been fascinating to see about how Gen even for people who are in the LGBTQ spectrum and who do identify some part in on, you know, uh, of being uh, black or, you know, other ethnicities as well, that when we get into uh, conversations about misogyny, about fat phobia, um, 
and you know, kind of like just all of these uh, kind of uh, aspects. Uh, one of my authors, uh, Hari Zayed, uh, talks about in the nature of uh, their memoir, Black Boy Out of Time, this kind of a ca uh, carceral dissonance that we have. And basically, you know, for what I took from what that means is that the, the nature of our intersections of our identity create um, these manifestations about how it is that we experience people. And um, it's just been really interesting to hear very different notions about, again, how, you know, I can read this, um, this Black queer woman, you know, in the nature of her memoir, talk about fat phobia. And then I can read uh, this Black queer woman and, you know, see and, you know, recognize that their experiences, you know, even though they may be of like mind are entirely different. Mm. You know, so again, and, and and even though obviously it's something that I knew going in, not everybody's experiences are the same, but to, you know, read those, you know, to hear and read those uh, experiences um, out loud, because our experiences, are, of course, a shape for many things, our environment, um, our economic status, you know, um, and so... And so all of these, all of these aspects, but one of the great commonalities that I have found, I think regardless across gender, across no matter how you are identifying on the spectrum, is that uh, there is a fight for survival when you are living on the margins of an already exclus exclusive society. You know, it's already a fight when you are um, LGBTQ. There's, that's already a whole fight in general. And then when you add the nature of you uh, being being a Black, Indigenous, or person of color, now you're operating on yet other margins mm. of society. And then when you add all of those other intersections of your identity, if you are a bigger person, if you are a Black nerd, if you are into anime or you know or you have had to you know face the nature of misogyny and you know just all these you know type things it's like every every intersect of identity that you have you are having to learn to take pride in but learning that it's a constant fight it's mm -hmm. a constant fight that's a word that that brought back um conversations related to uh how we tend to like put a, a blanket statement on a lot of people mm -hmm. and like whenever I see the discourse uh, on social media about black men black women and just like how people are oppressed and you know the the oppression olympics that be going on and I'm just mm -hmm. like but we never take the time to actually step back and think about the intersections that uh, of how this person may have been treated throughout their lives mm -hmm. like not to say that you know black men and black women though we are treated differently but we are all treated badly so yeah. let me just preface that we're all treated badly <laughs> like, it's horrible yeah, it's horrible right. here. but um in having conversations most definitely in the space primarily of black women when they're just not trying to hear the black men's perspective and think that me you know telling that is erasing the experiences of black women and it's just like that's nothing that i was saying that's nothing mm -hmm. that i'm you know trying to argue that you all are not being discriminated against within the black community because i see it but mm -hmm. at the same time you also have to acknowledge the discrimination the hardships that are facing black men that sometimes come from black women too and mm -hmm. like we don't often 
see the nuances that the intersections have. For example, when you have misogynoir, that is something that is in, uh, that women hold themselves as well as men. Like um, toxic masculinity. That's one. Uh, whenever I actually sit down and build this course, this mm-hmm. online course about you know rape culture, that's one of the things I'm going to dive deep into. Is because a lot of people don't understand that uh, feminine presenting people hold toxic masculinity too. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that is um, that has the full ownership of men, especially like white men and all that. Black men have it. We all have it on some level, or we've all been uh, oppressed by it on some level. But you have to recognize that I may have played a role in this too. Like exactly. um, when I was driving today, um, I was thinking about how some people get offended over. You know, I was thinking about when Beyonce had to change her lyric in one of those songs. And y'all, mm. forgive me, I'm not the hugest Beyonce fan. If you got right. triggered by that, fuck you. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but um, but uh, when she had to change that lyric, uh, take out the word spaz, because of mm. the people in Europe felt some type of way about it, which rightfully so. But for me, I feel like you have to recognize the culture of Beyonce, too. If you're going to make this claim, the uh, intentionality behind it and her intersections of her upbringing, she's not from the UK, she's from the US, as well as she's a black woman with from the US. So that word spaz is not the same usage as you may see in the UK, where it's not prejudicial, is more of a way of us expressing ourselves in a colloquial manner and to understand that is to understand the culture Uh, and that thought brought me to how you know the other things that people could find offense to um which was y'all this is how the adhd brain works i'm sorry Uh, all this happened within like a minute (laughs) like this thought process but that brought me to a point where i was thinking about the word pussy uh and this is going on gender too how within uh i I was watching some show and there was a feminine presenting person in uh queer spaces um in this she identified as a cis woman and she was like she takes offense and this it was a white woman too she takes offense by the queer community using the word pussy um and um not knowing because that term and a lot of things within the queer queer community comes from black people uh uh, black as well as hispanic people pussy is something that is strong it means you did something good it's a positive word that shit was pussy yes you like you did what needed to be done okay like it was great but you also have to think about the type of lingo that's often used towards queer men in their upbringing in the u.s mm-hmm. or even men in general when they are they are seen as being a lot less than a man they're called pussy they're called weak and all these other mm-hmm. things and if you revitalize that word and make it into something strong like a lot of other women like a lot of women have done too what's the issue like we have to think about the uh, the um, intentionality behind the words. We also have to think about the intersections of our identities so that we can like appreciate each other a lot more rather mm. than taking so much offense or uh, rather than not being able to communicate with each other about the things that we are experiencing in our lives. Exactly. Exactly. And it's something because I think especially with dealing with 
um, men who are masculine presenting. It's it's this dichotomy about you ever notice that when typically I think a man is being like talked down to or like, you know, you're going for that jugular. It's not until you get to that name calling either of calling a man a bitch or calling him a pussy or, you know, whatever, then that violent aggression, mm-hmm. you know, starts to show up. And I've seen that happen with a lot of men where it's like, you can talk, you know, talk, you know, talk or, you know, say whatever. But when you get to the nature of name calling where, you know, uh, a man feels like you are emasculating him mm-hmm. now, now it's a, now it's turns into a violent problem now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something because, like you say, the way that we connote uh, phrasing, uh, colloquialisms, you know, are very are very different. And I thought it was very interesting about when uh, the situation with Beyonce did happen. Uh, uh, and again, no offense to any viewers, I'm not the biggest Beyonce <laughs> fan, but I did think it was a very interesting uh, kind of uh, segment to ha- to happen because I, I would think for as I don't know, as obviously as huge of a star that, you know, Beyonce is that on one hand, I I thought it was odd that she actually went back and did it because I don't think that if she didn't, that that would have diminished anything of of her. Mm-hmm. But I was also glad I was also glad in a sense because it's like, well, you can see that she's also listening to her fan to her fan base mm-hmm. and knowing that she doesn't have just one particular fan base fan base. And so I think the lesson here to when those kind of you know, when those kind of situations happen is that if you're gonna make the change, do it as okay, I've learned this lesson. Mm-hmm. And so I know not to do it in the future. But like you say, it wasn't something that was intentional because like you say, with the nature of our colloquialisms, our phrasing, things mean different. You know, Mm -hmm. they have very different meanings, very different variations. So I even recognize like for myself, like saying the word spaz growing up, or I don't even remember if I've even said the word, said the word, but the way that I've heard the word connoted, I never connoted it with being part of the, you know, the disabled community. Mm -hmm. You know, for me particularly, and I don't know, maybe uh, you heard something different growing up as well. Whenever I heard the, a person called a spaz, I associated with like somebody being called like like you're like an out of box nerd, or you know, or something or something along that connotation. So like when people say, "Oh, you know, you're just a spaz," mm. you know, I never connoted the nature of the word spaz to uh you know, to connote it to, you know, the disabled community. And maybe that's because of the fact I didn't necessarily know the definition of the word. Because, you know, of course, you know, we hear things all the time. We don't necessarily know what they mean, you know, know what they mean, (laughs) or even if we're using them or not. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, just even just being purely ignorant of it. Mm, Yeah, and I will say, uh, growing up, I've only heard it in terms of like, you know, uh, I guess spazzing out would be the, yes, the phrasing that right, yeah. um but that was always something seen as something good meaning like somebody on the dance floor spassing out they're going they're dancing very Ooh. well so it's nothing to say that oh like you know to, to diminish a person but to say that they're doing something of a good quality um and i think that that was the thing that was lacking in that moment like again i love that she did show that she listens to 
her uh, audience and whatnot. Uh, in Loki, I kind of think that was more of a financial um, yeah. <laughs> decision to make the change. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They have many other games. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that as influencers, most definitely those um, that are Black and uh, of unseen, uh, a huge unseen community, it will be great to see a lot more of cultural education from our, I guess, leaders of the community, like to encourage that, hey, I appreciate you all for saying this to me. I will uh, take that out of the lyrics because I know it does offend you, but I want you all to still look into the culture that I'm from and how mm -hmm. that does not have a negative connotation so that you can appreciate our usage when it comes to something that you may see in our media uh, outside of just my own performances. Mm -hmm. Because opening your eyes to my experiences, my culture only helps you grow and allows me to grow mm -hmm. uh, and for my people to grow. Like there's so many different routes that can be taken to show that, look, Black people are here. We do have our own culture. We do have a voice in a lot of things. And you should educate yourselves on that too. Like I have to educate myself on your experiences too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, th th this can be a mutual learning experience for everybody here. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, even though it's a very different uh, situation, I was, um, you know, of course, a lot of people had a lot of a lot of things to say mm -hmm. about the situation that happened with the whole Aries Spears and Tiffany Haddish, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, thing, uh, that to have happened. And, you know, what was and I and, you know, this may segment into something completely different. But what I thought was interesting about the gender you know kind of differentiation of that was that okay it seems that at the bases the consensus even from other comedians were just like yeah there's a lot of things that you know being a comic or you know like just coming up in the industry like you may have done that you know like you look back on that you are like okay I can't even believe I did that you know or said you know some things that are out of pocket of course you know all those type arguments but it, it seems to me like for for that kind of skit to be done even at the time that it was done, it's like a lot of people's visceral reactions were just like, that's just so wrong on just so many levels. It doesn't matter that we live in a more, um, you know, we live in a different cultural climate now. But it's like that wasn't even, you know, good for back then, you know, like when that was done. But what I think is so interesting about the gender, you know, kind of discrepancy of it is that. I think the reason why Tiffany Haddish is taking the brunt of it is because of the fact that in the, at least in my eyes, this is coming totally from my perspective, at least in my eyes, I think that she, the way that her career has, you know, had a trajectory, that she's much more in the limelight mm -hmm. than Aerie Spears. And then what was interesting was I saw a lot of the comments that were saying like, typically, and I don't know, I don't know if it was like a justification of some sort, but it's kind of like almost like a lot of people had this mentality like, okay, yeah, we would expect this from a man, mm -hmm. you know, to be involved with this kind of thing, because I don't know, maybe just because men don't think about those, you know, those things, but for her to be a, wo a woman and then a black woman at that, mm -hmm. to be involved with a skit like that. 
Yeah. You know, it's it was just very interesting to to hear the discrepancies. Like both people are being held accountable, but for entirely two different ways. Yes, I think a lot of that, almost um, definitely for Tiffany, because uh, one a very disturbing thing. Like I don't even understand yeah, the, yeah, why. it's yeah for why? the public <laughs> if you haven't seen the bit if you don't haven't seen it. the skit, like it's it's disturbed. Like I did not. I saw like a a small clip. Uh, like less than 10 seconds and I was like I cannot what the fuck no um but like um I think uh, uh, the reason why um Tiffany does get a lot of the flack that she's receiving outside of her trajectory is because of that maternal transference that a lot of mm-hmm. people do when it comes to women that they mm-hmm. automatically assume just because you're a woman you should you're supposed to know like yes. if you this was your child you would mm-hmm. not do that this woman doesn't have a child. This woman probably doesn't have the expectation in her life to become a parent of anybody. So to expect for her to understand how un how incorrect that was for her to have a child in this position, regardless of what message you were trying to send, is not okay. Hmm. Um, most people who do not think about having kids, they don't think about how a, a kid's perspective. Honestly, some parents out here still don't think about their child's exactly. perspective. So, like the maternal transference and sometimes even paternal transference is the one thing that I need people to stop doing. Like you, mm-hmm. you cannot expect people to act like parents to kids that are not their own kids. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you cannot expect other people to behave like uh, what most would consider a good parent. Yeah. But I will say, if they sat down and thought about this and mm-hmm. like in a logical way, in terms of like even PR way, they I don't see how they even gone went through yeah, with that. And, and when incidences like this do happen, because it, it brings me back to the whole H and M. Uh, mm. segment that happened with the young black boy and the gorilla, you know, uh, you know, Casa. It's kind of like, you know, I liked how after, you know, not like, but I appreciated how after and um, for it had to take for this conversation to happen for after this type of incident has occurred where everybody is like, okay, so with these big corporations, everybody needs like a Jamal the intern mm. because it's like the fact that this got all the way through a planning phase through strategy meetings. You have to go through the whole entire nature of the filming the commercial. And it's like throughout all of these stages through this part, this wasn't something that was just like put together in five minutes and we just decided to shoot, to shoot it. Like this had to, like these type of things go through multiple stages. And you telling me like nobody saw the red and that's what people are saying about the the tiffany haddish and Ari spears uh aspect mm-hmm. it's like no not just holding the two of them accountable but holding everybody yeah. who was a part of them accountable and what's so interesting is for the people that are making that argument it is to say that there is there's this morality debate that mm-hmm. happens because a lot of people do see that okay yeah you did this you may have been on the come up or wherever you were like, you're just trying to do your job to to make, you know, to make your coin, you know, and nobody can fault that. But it's like, where does the line delineate mm-hmm. between your sense of, OK, this is a job versus I have a gut wrenching 
problem, morality problem mm-hmm. with this with this game. And I wonder if people would have had this same reaction if this if that clip was actually included into some type of movie like Precious. Mm. Because when you think about that, uh, like if we if we think about the history of uh, that character and whatnot, the childhood sexual abuse that she experienced and whatnot, and the message that came along with that, if this was a drawn out film that included that scene in it, and then mm-hmm. you furthered on down the line to see the redemption or whatever it is of that um, childhood victim, would it be something different? Yeah, and, and a lot of times what I feel what happens with these, you know, commercials and these ads, it's like, like I say, it's it's like having, like, everybody needs a Jamal the intern because it's like, even with the nature of the skit itself, and I liked how one, I can't remember who was the YouTuber, but I liked how she reviewed the nature of the skit and I liked how she put it into a objective perspective and how she said that the initial concept of the skit was not anything bad in fact it was supposed to be obviously an informative skit about the Mm -hmm. dangerous aspect of you know predatory nature Mm -hmm. and she said that yeah the skit actually starts off being that and if they would have decided just to cut it at that very at you know towards that very beginning i think when he has like this look at the child whatever like that because it's such a bold message that it's like don't think your audience are stupid Mm. (laughs) like we get them like we would have got the message but it's like the fact that it just carried on and on Mm. and and progressively got more derailed and creepish like it's like and i i was so appreciative of the fact that you know she put it in that kind of objective perspective as to say like this was not out of like a malice intent like we were gonna do this to you know i don't know like send a red you know red bells it was supposed to be a very informative skit and a very true skit you mm-hmm. know and i think that and i do agree like that's how it started out but it's kind of like okay instead of this being the whole four minutes it should have been cut off a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up with a bow thank you, <laughs> exactly. thank you. Bye. the message was received at one minute and 31 seconds thank look you. at god Bye. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I do think in all though, when we're thinking and and I think we've seen this play out in this past year about uh, the nature of and we don't necessarily have to, you know, talk about all these things, but the 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 gender, I think, bias reactions between the whole Will and Jada entanglement aspect. Mm. There's, you know, with the whole, um, you know, Will and Chris Rock. Uh, debate the the nature of uh people receiving or not receiving well the dave Chappelle um you know uh skit i mean not skit but a comedy show and just all of these these incidents that have you know happened and they're they're bringing up all you know so many prevalent conversations and it's really it's really interesting to see how all of these artists are now speaking about what it is that they do. Cause I've always been of the like-mindedness that, yeah, these conversations need to happen. There are certain things that, yeah, I put it in a time capsule. I can watch, you know, eighties and nineties, you know, comedies and still laugh at these jokes because that was what was happening. You know, that's what was prevalent at the time. There are certain things I really don't find funny anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and I, maybe that is because of the cultural climate, you know, you know, change and shift. But as a writer and as an artist myself, I've always felt like the best way to get back at an artist for the work that they put out is not to support it. Mm. 
If you are constantly talking about this and yeah, I get it. You want to put people on blast and you know all this. But to me, I've always believed the more attention you give something, the more it stays prevalent. That's why all artists have always said any media, any publicity is good publicity. Exactly. And people do things on purpose. They do these lives on purpose because they know it's going to get you talking. Exactly. about them which keeps them in the line like now i'm not saying to completely ignore or dismiss things that they're talking about like if somebody needs to be called out about something i do like that that nature of the social media age that we live in i like the fact that you know people have it in your mind just because you are an a-list celebrity don't mean you can't get touched <laughs> like <laughs> you know because like we the ones that make your career we can be the ones to break your career exactly. but i do feel that the way that i think as an audience we have this kind of um first reactionary you know type of response when you don't even know the entire story of what's going on and yet we've come up with all these narratives that are put out there and to me i'm sorry i've just always felt that if if i don't like you or i don't really care about the work that you do guess what you're not getting my money you're not getting my support so it's like what the hell look I, look I, I don't know if i said this on the podcast before but look if you didn't know now you know the situation with kanye honestly oh, i have not so i would say my lack of support for this man is like petty uh, and it goes back in, uh, t- since like he made through the uh, through the wire, mm-hmm. and I'm a Shaka Khan fan, and through the fire was my my shit even back in the day, and you make this song and you take away all of the greatness of Shaka Khan. To, I, like I understand he got he went through his own situation. He wanted to get that out there, and you you choose her. No motherfucker. Like diamonds already creeped me the fuck out. Then the Jesus Walk song really scared the hell out of me, and I was like, "Hold up, I just cannot." Like I was a child, y'all. Oh I was a child. <laughs> like and that's I just... the thing about, it. but that's the thing about Kanye. What I couldn't understand about Kanye, and when people are commenting, is that they're like, "Oh my god, I'm so disappointed." Like this is, and all I'm reading all of these comments, and I'm like, "But this man has like a repeated pattern of behavior." I really just don't understand it's kind of like if you want to be a here's the thing and i want to put this to all people who are fans because i don't want to alienate nobody if you are a fan of kanye stand in that if you a fan of you know fan of kanye you can be a fan of kanye that's that's but do not put you know what we like to call blinders on to mm-hmm. the fact that this man has a repeated pattern of behavior this is not like the first time you know he's done something outlandish and yes I, for one, do believe that Kanye does have some mental imbalances that are matched with the nature. Because I do believe on some level, he's a, he, not, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't necessarily know how to define like a creative genius. I, I've always been sticky about that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say that, but he does have a level of talent and success. And I think that when you have not been, not necessarily educated, educated properly about what it is that you do but when you have this type of platform you have this type of popularity you're thrown into a stratosphere that all of those things create this these types of imbalances but at some point you have to be a Mm grown-up and recognize and I've often always said that 
You have to stand in what it is that you do and what it is that you say and recognize you can say and do whatever you want to. However, do not be surprised if you have certain kind of reactions. Like, exactly. stop. Just that's my thing. Stop being surprised by it it's and then want to take stuff back and want to apologize and do all of this type of stuff. So I, me, uh, personally, I've never necessarily been a Kanye fan. Like, yeah, he's came out with, you know, a song or two that I've liked, but I can't necessarily call myself, like, a fan mm-hmm. of his. So. Same. Like, I, <laughs> for me, because, you know, I lost my mother when I was young. <laughs> and I would not be out here acting like my mama did not raise me right. Because that would be a disrespect to her name. <laughs> and for me, knowing what his mom taught, and what she um, took part in prior to her death is giving, did she not educate you at home? Is giving, did she not um, teach you right from wrong or anything like that? Or was she even good at her job? Mm. Because that's all that I see every time this man speaks. Mm. It's like, if if I know for myself, I mean, of course I cannot project my behavior onto his mother, most definitely since she's no longer with us, but I don't see myself having a child that does not respect our heritage mm-hmm. in any kind of way, most definitely if that's what I do on a daily basis. Yeah, and it's interesting about the approaches about when you're trying to correct behavior because I was reading an article recently, and I'm pretty sure that this is maybe like an old story, mm-hmm. but I was reading this article where um, I think uh, Snoop Dogg was talking about when Dion Warwick um, invited him and maybe I think some other rappers to meet with her about the nature of the lyrics in which, you know, are put in their music, especially about women, you know, and um, yeah. And, and I loved how in the nature of his interview, how he was saying like, you know, we were all there promptly, you know, on, <laughs> on time but 10 minutes early because this is this Dion war, you know, and I, I love that. <laughs> But I really, I really, what captured my interest about the interview was to know that here you have this, this mega talented woman, of course, is Dionne mm-hmm. Warwick. And the fact that she is wanting to, again, you know, for first of all, have a conversation, a private conversation, you know, with the, with, you know, these black men who are in um, rap and hip hop to make them understand about the nature of the misogynist lyrics that they put out. Mm. And I applaud her for that. But I had a slight tweak in my thought process about that because from my understanding, and for you know, I may be a little bit, you know, miscorrect because I'm not quite sure. A lot of times rap music in particular, or at least what I would consider like hardcore rap, mm-hmm. is mainly bought by white mainstream and white mainstreamers mm-hmm. and women. That's true. You know, and so I was kind of like, I applaud Dion for what you know for doing it because it definitely was I think a conversation that needed to be had. But I was like, I was wondering in my head, but did she like host like some sort of talk or conversation or suppose with you know with women to try to understand about why is it do we respond though to you know right you know to certain you know to certain rap lyrics or you know try to not necessarily call out but shine an attention on you know um 
white mainstreamers who mostly buy rap, you know, who mostly mm -hmm. buy rap music. So I, I don't know. It's it's like I'm not trying to, you know, say like what she did was incorrect or anything. I in fact I love the nature of the article in itself. But you know, I feel like to just segment to, you know, just the and I think it happened is because, yeah, these are the artists that are doing mm -hmm. it. So it's like, of course, you know, you're gonna get the blunt of it. But as an artist, you know, you put out what sells. Mm -hmm. you know so and and that's why i've always thought about no matter if you're talking about musicians or actors or you know whatever you do in nature what sells because that's what keeps you know keeps you making coin mm -hmm. and it's not until the public does something different or better yet as i say not respond to it because it's like if you're not responding to it then you're not getting my coins about yeah. it and so that way you get the message about, oh, wait a minute, maybe I need to, you know, maybe there's a message here that I need to do something differently. You know, I, I, I wonder if we're at a point for a lot of creatives where we're just like, you know, am I truly willing to sell out my own integrity for that mm -hmm. much? Like I think about all the blues songs the old school gospel which is now what we would consider r&b like all those mm. old school songs country songs all about selling your soul to the devil and all this other stuff uh and like not holding yourself well holding on to your own integrity for your own art mm. are we going to get to that point where we choose to no longer sell ourselves like, are we going to get to the point where we will rather have a small following uh, of people who support our message of the uplift and the uh, struggles that we uh, face as Black people in our community versus trying to make the buck, mm. um, try to disrespect each other in some way or push a certain narrative of Black men are this, Black women should be doing this, all these things. Are we going mm. to get to a point where we stop, we're going to stop pushing that narrative just for money? Hmm. like that's that's my yeah. my and, main thought right now and i think also too you know we have to take responsibility as a public to you know recognize that i'm sorry as a public we are some of the most fickle people on planet earth mm -hmm. you know it's like you get upset because like a music artist or an actor or whatever they want to you know you want to see them do things that are different you don't want them to be put in a box but then the moment that they do something different oh now we got all these types of reactions and mm -hmm. you know we put it out there. And my thing is like, hey, they may do something that, hey, may miss the mark. But instead, why don't we try to handle it with care in saying that, hey, if we, this artist or this, you know, actor or whoever this is kind of made a misstep, it's like instead of bashing them, like we don't have to mm. go through such extremes like, hey, maybe they could do this next time to kind of like meet this half, you know, to kind of like meet this halfway. Like, for instance. Everybody knows who knows me knows that one of my favorite artists of all time is Brandy. I love Ooh. I love me some Brandy. And I love the fact that she's getting into this like new era uh, that we're hearing more rap from her. Now, I hope that with her new deal with Motown Records, uh that in the next album that you know maybe you know half the music, you know she may be, you know, doing what she does best with her singing, but that you know maybe we hear more rap. Now, mm -hmm. do I particularly want to hear an all rap album? I quite sure but of course i'm biased because i'm an ultimate brandy fan so i'm a pretty much loving thing she does but it is to say that 
when artists, again, when artists are trying something new or they're trying to get into new elements, even if they do something that you don't necessarily appreciate too much, either you don't have to respond to it, or at least if you're going to respond to it, give it some constructive criticism. Applaud them for stepping out that box. Like, yeah, I'm wanting, I've been waiting for this. You know, I've been wanting to hear something different from this or see something different from this artist. Was it my cup of tea? Not necessarily, but I applaud them for doing But, you know, but I mm -hmm. applaud them for doing it. I, I, I'll have two more things before we go into uh, uh, a Never Have I Ever or sex question. I, I might do the sex question. But, um, so... I will say we also need to practice forgiveness uh, for multiple artists who do our creators who do deserve it. Like the incident with Will Smith, like mm -hmm. granted, okay, he was in the wrong, but he also was in the right. But at the end of the day, I don't give a damn about that slap really, because like, mm -hmm. look, he did what he did. Right. However, your think pieces make that your think piece is not really about the slap, but the amount of bullying that man had to go through from a lot of people because of this stuff that's going on with Jada, with August Alsina, people uh, calling him less of a man, people going all up in his relationship about how, um, like, how dare you let this woman be out here to talk about all your business. This man, he does not want to control his wife, okay? That's not who he is. He's not about controlling people. He's about being free and being happy. Let him be. But people judging his relationship, all these things, yet we don't ever really want to give him his props for real, for real. Right. Like exactly. we want to constantly judge him for every wrong thing that he does. Even if it's a new movie that people don't agree with that he's uh, taking part of, even though they're going to go see it, even they're going to like it, but they're still not going to show the man his respects for all that he's done outside of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like right. the man is extremely talented. Yeah. And I, and I even said like in my Facebook post, cause I, I really don't, post too much when it comes to things like this because I don't I'm not the type of person to get into arguments with people in the comment mm -hmm. section and stuff like that in fact I forgot to turn my comments off shame on me <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when the incident happened when I commented I was like you know there are sometimes when the control that keeps us sane slips through our fingers we don't know all that happened. We don't know if Jada said something, you know, to do it, if he did it off of impulse. We don't know anything of that because we weren't there, mm -hmm. you know. But what I did say was that it was an unfortunate thing to have happen because to me, both of them were on were in the wrong in some in some way. And there's accountability that needs to have by all. But let's not make that's not a justification to paint Will Smith as this violent person exactly. or to diminish uh the nature of Chris uh diminish the nature of Chris Rock deserving to be hit, you know, to be hit mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, you know, I did say when the incident happened, I think for all of them, for them to have been, you know, of course, supposedly friends, especially in Hollywood, that if, you know, hey, if that was me, you know, if I had a problem with it, that's something that, you know, could have been talked about or settled backstage. And it was an unfortunate thing that it had to play out in front of millions of people on television for a very historic night, of course. But I, 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 I said, I think I said in my post Let's not let's not perpetuate this nature of Will Smith being violent, you know, or, you know, just things like that. And I said, hopefully one day 
they can come to some sort of reconciliation mm. and it and if not both of them still can move forward in the greatness that they are because yeah, both of them are immensely great at, and talented at what they do mm-hmm. you know, both got so. the money anyway so they they good they'll be all right uh and the other thing they demonized uh, Will Smith more than they demonized these motherfuckers that ran the Capitol. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, <laughs> and because Will Smith is Will Smith, you know, he's held to a a higher, you know, a higher standard of behavior. Right. You know, so, so. But, but the, you know, it the is, other it is. the other thing uh, that I want to bring up is uh, in terms of forgiveness is with uh, Chrisette Michelle. Um, people damn near cancel her out because she said that we should at least as a community have one artist to perform for Trump to you know at his inauguration I think she was going to do it whatever and then you know it was like cancel Michelle and I, I'm not not much yeah Chrisette Michelle yeah we're, we're going to go ahead and cancel her all together we got Erica Badu like look y'all she's just trying to spread some love like calm down Yet Kanye can be buddy buddy with the man, and not one damn thing is said. So y'all owe her an apology. That's all I'm saying. That's sure. all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but on that note, uh, I'm going to do a would you rather. So okay. would you rather give up masturbating for a year or give up sex for four months? Definitely give up sex for four months. Like I, you know, my hand is my best friend, so. I support that. Get you, I, get you through. Look, I would definitely go with give up sex for four months. Um, because yeah, like, I'm not, you're, like, yeah, you're not coming in between me and my masturbation. Like that's exactly, no. exactly. Like self love is good love, and I, you can't be trusting everybody out here in these streets. Exactly. Most definitely these days, you be out here trying to pull up on somebody, and then they flake on you, or they lying about who they are it's a lot these streets Ooh. are oh my yeah. god and, and, and listen when it comes to you your hand or anything else you may be using you know because hey uh the at the end of the day the person i trust the most is myself exactly you know um speaking of any other things that you can be using I, it should be out by this point when this airs um there is going to be i i I will be releasing some of the episodes on the holiloquy podcast because look content is content (laughs) i'm going to do whatever but um the vibrator in my the vibrator in my pod that podcast will be out here motherfuckers so be on the ready be on the lookout it's going to be a separate thing um so you can follow that podcast wherever you you know listen to your podcast i'll have a link in the um bio if i remember to do it but be on the lookout for that everybody um so what's the buzz the vibrating in my pod that's all i'm gonna say but yeah on that note tyrell do you have any last words that you'd like to share with the audience before we close everything out uh, you know, just uh, as we've been talking about, you know, a mass of pop culture topics throughout the nature of this segment, just to reframe it in the nature of as we think about gender, gender bias, gender roles, you know, moving forward, just know that the narratives that you uh, come into view um, or have, just know that those are, you know, your perspective is not the only perspective and you don't have to agree, you know, or, you know, um embody or live certain you know certain narratives but just know that there are different narratives about gender that are out there that um you again you don't have to necessarily agree with but at least 
come to the nature of listening, do more listening, and just have respect for how it is that people choose to move. Amen to that. Well, thank you so much, Tyrell, for coming on to the podcast. You're greatly appreciated. Always. Thank you. Now, to the listeners out there, thank you all so much for listening to the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful, you are worthy of happiness and joy, you are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.